Writing well is the pursuit of a lifetime. You may be at mile marker one of this wonderful life journey and thinking for the first time about embracing the life of a writer. Or maybe you're further along and ready to publish some of your ideas. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are fellow travelers on this extended road trip to improve our writing and publish our ideas. We hope this podcast helps you make progress on your writing journey. Now, let's buckle up and write. Most authors who write a book want it to be read. That means selling it. And selling it means publicizing it. The ins and outs of publicity of a book is a mystery to many authors. At some point, authors wrestle with whether they should even hire a publicist or if they can manage their own PR. Today, we have as our guest, Julia Drake, who is the co-founder of Wildbound PR, a California-based literary publicity company that works with authors across the globe to gain exposure for their work via traditional and digital media press campaigns, social media marketing, innovative book tours, author websites, and promotional videos. Julia is going to help us understand the role of a publicist when it is smart to hire one and tricks for gaining the attention of the press when you are a self-published author. Welcome, Julia, to our podcast. We're so excited to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be discussing publicity and marketing and PR. It's kind of a, the Wild West out there when it comes <laughs> to that. And so that's why we're wildbound. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what questions you have for me. So before we dig into the details of PR, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a book publicist? I, I know it, you didn't get there overnight, so we'd love to hear about your journey. It was a little bit of a roundabout way. So my husband and I, we actually met in, at film school, UCLA Film School, and we, we were involved in film in LA for quite a while. And then I always, I've always been a book nerd. At some point, I just got connected to a lot of writers in Los Angeles, and they started saying like how hard it was to promote their books and and somehow I started just kind of doing things for them in terms of publicity and marketing. I found it more fulfilling than the film business. And so I kind of started working with Run Writer and on some campaign. And it's just that the writing community is really so small in many ways. So then I got referred to somebody else. And, and then at some point, people were kind of like, wait, you don't have your own business? And I thought, well, maybe I should have my own business. <laughs> and so I launched a PR company. It was just, was just me. And it was specializing in book PR. And then it just kind of started growing and growing and growing. And at some point, my husband was kind of like, and he was struggling to be kind of a struggling commercial director and, and still doing films, but kind of getting really burned out on it. And he said, you know, why don't we join and we use my talents and your talents and we can just do this together. And so I was like, sounds awesome. That was the birth of Wildbound PR. Since then, it's just been so enjoyable. We just love the work and we've continued to grow our business. In the beginning, I mainly specialized in media and events. And then with his expertise coming in, we, we have now a social media department. We have a huge video department and we also have our own events platform where we do a lot of hybrid events, virtual events, streaming events. So that's, that's kind of, yeah, how, how we got there. And we continue to evolve. and. 
we just, we just kind of do it all and we really enjoy it. So let's start out very basic and this, we need to start out basic just so we have a baseline. And that is what is a publicist and what can an author expect from a publicist's services? And are are there any myths about what publicists can and can't do for you that you want to debunk? (laughs) So I would say traditionally or, or in the past, and I think that's still a little bit of the antiquated notion most people have is that a publicist mostly does media, media outreach. And I think that's what still a lot of publicists, that's sort of their bread and butter. But really, I feel like nowadays, I, I listen to some of the other podcasts, and I know you talked a lot about platform. And I really feel like nowadays, if you want to have a strong platform, and you want a publicist to come in to help you with that, it's, it's not enough to just do media coverage. You really kind of need to do a little bit of everything. That's really, I think, what makes a strong platform. And so for me, if I were to be looking for a publicist, I would go to a firm that can do a lot of different things. I definitely feel like the basics, basics definitely. So it's media, social media, and events. I feel, I feel like that's sort of the, the basics that I feel like need to be covered in a, in a book campaign. And then beyond that, obviously, video is so strong now. So that's something to look into as well. And virtual events and streaming events and everything else that's out there. So, but I feel like that's sort of like the next step, if that's something that you want to invest in. And not every book is right for that either. It's just sort of depends. But that's kind of what I would look to for from a publicist. It's really media coverage, social media, and and events, men bookings. When doesn't the relationship work out between an author and a publicist? I'm sure they've all worked out perfectly for you, but I'm sure you've heard (laughs) stories about maybe expectations not being met. Can you talk a little bit about that? For one, there are some publicists that I think they, they're not as transparent, I think, as they could be in terms of what the campaign is going to be like. And they sort of have this sort of, I'm going to do my magic sauce kind of attitude. And I really would be, that's for me, is like one red flag talking yeah. to a publicist where, where they don't just lay out exactly what they're going to be doing. Because I really don't believe that there is any magic sauce. I think it's just really hard work. And obviously, it's connections and experience and everything. But it's just a lot of really hard work. And so the second element I would say, and I feel like most clients that have come to us or most authors that have come to us are looking for that is, is, is collaboration. I really feel like the strongest campaign we've had, campaigns we've had are with authors who will really just jump in and, and, and will be a collaborator. And so it's really kind of daily communication. It's brainstorming. It's, it's really being a team. And those are really the campaigns that I feel like work. And so that's what I would be looking for in a publicist. So to me, that also means finding somebody that you feel like you really click with energetically that you really just kind of like to hang out with because it's, as you know, like a journey with a book, like it's, I mean, sort of like birthing a baby, right? I mean, it's very emotional. It's very intense. So you kind of need somebody who can hold your hand and and be there for you and where you feel like you're really being understood. And so I think that's important. The third element I would say, and this is kind of an interesting one, is sometimes, like you said, you know, writers, they, they have a book, but they don't quite know like how to promote it. And there's so much out there. And I feel like sometimes clients come to us with certain expectations of what they think their campaign needs. And we kind of will have to sort of advise them saying, yes, this is what you want, but this is really kind of what you need. And I totally understand. I mean, it's funny. It's like a lot of talk 
going back to emotions, like it's sometimes really emotional things where I really just want to be on Oprah or <laughs> I want, I want to be in my alumni newspaper. Like it's like these very sort of, you can just tell they come from another place, not like objective, but, and you know, so we try to cater to that as well, obviously. But, you, but I think the important thing is that you all agree on what is going to get you there and the goals so that you're all pulling on the same string. And I think that's really important. And I feel like what I've seen with a lot of clients that have come to us that have not been happy with their publicist, it's that, it's that, it's that their expectations were just not aligned. I read in an interview that you did that it's really difficult to get media coverage in like the big print outlets, like whatever, the New Yorker or whatever, just some big New York Times, but you have bigger wins on their digital platforms. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like people have this idea of being in this kind of storied publication when in fact you might have more reach if you go to their digital publication. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think for one, I think it's easier to to pitch their digital publications just because there's just much more content that they can work with than with print. So it's easier that way. But also what has happened is because our landscape, our sort of consumer landscape and where people get their information from, what they read has become so diversified and splintered that what we've seen, and we've been doing this for a long time, it used to be that you would get a review in the New York Times and it would really move the needle. And now it just, a lot of times, like nothing happens. It's great. You can share it with people and it's obviously builds credibility, but in terms of sales or there's just not a lot that comes out of that anymore. And so I've, I feel like you really, again, have to sort of diversify your coverage, also diversify how you find your target audience. And so I think that's kind of what we're trying to do where, yes, you you obviously want some traditional media and you're going to go for it, but you don't want to sort of put all your eggs in one basket. You mentioned just kind of all the angles that you have to publicize your work. And one of them is social media. And so many writers that we work with, they get to the end of the book writing, they get close to the release of their book. And they're like, oh, now I need to send up my, set up my digital online social media presence. And so they do, but it's really thin and it doesn't really work for them. So I guess my question is how far in advance should they be creating this social media presence? And what does a great social media presence look like? What will really give your campaign energy as the book is released? You can never be early enough to get yourself out there and and to start posting. And I really feel like that the ones that to me really work are one, they're authentic. That's what people respond to on social media. It's authenticity. And I think they really want to see who you are as a person first before you can sell them products or whatever else. So, so I feel like that's why it's kind of great if you started early, because if you don't have a book or anything, then you're basically just out there sharing your common interests with other people, right? And you, you, you start to create a community around people who, who just like to hang out with you basically, right? Online. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of a great way to get started. And then once you have a product, then again, we really don't start pitching the book on social media, you know, really kind of saying pre-order the book or really going for the, for the sales sort of pitch until like really late in the game, you know, maybe like a month before pub date. We really kind of tease it. But what attracts people to it is really sort of building a world around the story, around your work, around your interests. And that really seems to, seems to work really well. 
So that's kind of what we're trying to do with our social media campaigns. So a couple questions. One would be, have you ever worked with a self-published author? And when you have, or if you have, what have you found work best? I realize you're saying it has to be a diverse approach to publicity, and each author is obviously different. But what, what have you found with self-published authors maybe to be unique and, and is the best approach when it comes to PR? So, yes, we have worked with self-published authors before. I would say there's a really big difference between self-published authors that are entrepreneurs or business people or where the book is sort of an extension of what they do than fiction. It's definitely, if you self-publish nonfiction, your chances of kind of being on the same level with traditionally published books, I think is much, much higher. Fiction is just, it's really hard. Fiction is very much tied to the publishers, to the imprints. People just kind of get an idea of where that book is coming from. I think it's just kind of important rather than with nonfiction. I think it's more about the authority of that person writing it or the life experience, whatever that is. And so nobody cares that much, I think, who the publisher is. So having said that, in general, for self-published books, just to kind of get over some of the hurdles, like, for example, media coverage. I think it's harder to get media coverage. And so we definitely encourage authors to, to pay for reviews and to engage in some paid promotions just to kind of get the book out there and get some, get some good feedback on the book so that you can that leverage that to maybe get some traditional media as well. So that's kind of where I think we, we start with most, most self-published authors. Good example of that would be the Kirkus reviews. That would be an example where you, get, you pay for that. Do you know roughly how much that costs ballpark for a review? Is it 300, 600? It's between 50 and four, like four, 500, basically, 50 to 500. But Kirkus is, for example, I think, I believe it's 425. And that's like a, I think you get the review between six and eight weeks. And then there's also a, a rush fee that you can pay to get it earlier. So that's kind of, I think, a little bit on the higher side. But yeah, it's definitely a legitimate outlet. So, so that's one that we recommend, but there's, there's many more that are starting to crop up. And then the other thing that I think that's helpful, kind of going back to diversified approach, there are these tour, tours now you can pay for, they're, they're called IG tours, like Instagram tours. And it's basically kind of like a blog tour, but on Instagram. And it's just a great way to get your book cover out there, get your book out there just visually, because it's basically like a book tour. Like every day, there's going to be some influencer on Instagram that will feature your book and there will be like a blurb or review or whatever it is. And, and it's just a really nice way to kind of get your book out there. And as we all know, like the more you see something, the more it sort of is being legitimized in your, in your head, as much as visibility as you can get the better. And so that's one of the things that we recommend, we recommend as well. What about managing author expectations as it relates to, let's say the number of copies sold. So PR is not direct marketing where you spend X amount of money and you're guaranteed X percent return. And it's really about awareness. And over time, it gives the book lift. We always like to say that PR is like starting a bunch of small prairie fires, right? And you need to light as many as you can. And no, no small place is too small when it comes to this kind of work, especially for a self-published author. But do you talk specific numbers like authors always have you know i'm going to sell a million copies 
whether this is my first book or not. Do you talk specific numbers when that comes up? Like an author has an expectation. I expect out of this campaign, I'm going to do a six month campaign with you. I'm going to spend $3,000 a month. I expect X. How do you deal with those kinds of, in many ways, delusional expectations? I think we're really honest with that person. And we just say, look, if that's something that you want guaranteed, then you're going to have to find another PR firm that will guarantee that. Any PR firm that will guarantee that, I think that's putting yourself into really dicey waters just because there is, like you said, I mean, there's, there's so much that's unknown that you just, you just can't guarantee. And the other thing I think that's interesting with media coverage is I think that a lot of clients or authors don't realize that, that like you said, it's, you go to the media and then you hopefully, hopefully readers will read that article, whatever it is, and then they will buy the book, right? So you don't even go to your readers directly. You don't even go to whoever, whoever will actually buy your book, right? And so it's, it's kind of a third party thing. So there are things you can do where you can, there are these services where like on Amazon, you can do this like discount or giveaway, whatever it is of books. And you can guarantee, like they will guarantee that you get 500 downloads of your book that will make you whatever this much discounted to 99 cents or whatever. So I think if you go direct to consumer, there are certain things you can do and you can actually do the math and you can say, if we run this, then you're going to sell this many books. And, but with, with PR, like media coverage or anything else, I just don't think we would be able to promise that. So, so, we're, so we're just honest. <laughs> we're just, it's always better to under-promise and over-deliver. Julia, I have a question for you about publicity hooks, especially for authors who may be managing the PR on their own. How do you help authors think through publicity hooks to get kind of a hook into the, the cultural movements of the time? What, what are some questions you ask or how do you begin to research that? How do you begin to frame a publicity hook? For one, reread the entire book. That's another red flag I want to add to the red flags of hiring publicists. Like if your publicist doesn't read your book, I think it's impossible because I feel like many ways, like you read the book and you sort of, and you're obviously in living in this world, right? So right away you come off of something, kind of finish the book and you go, okay, how does this book fit into this world? Like, what does it bring to the table? How does it sort of change your perspective, widen your horizons, like that type of thing. So I, we always start from our personal experience as a reader. And then we're very connected to journalists and news media. And so there's a lot that lands in our inbox in terms of requests, what people are writing about. So that sort of helps. But then obviously we also, we read the news and for every client, we have kind of a folder where sort of we put ideas or things that we've seen in the news. And because the news hook is definitely really important, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you know, you have to have some sort of hook that makes people go, oh, okay, yeah, this, this, this kind of is connecting with my experience right now of whatever it is. So, so that's kind of how, how we work with authors. So Dave and I like to think of publicity in kind of three phases. There's the pre-launch phase, there's the launch phase, which is like six to eight weeks when your book is newsworthy and you're really trying to get that media coverage. But then there's this long slog that follows that initial launch. And I don't know if you work with authors in that, in that long slog or if they re-engage you to get another boost to sales or just to get noticed, but what can authors do in that third phase to continue to get some publicity for their book? I would say, obviously, events. If there's anything where you can sort of leverage the book for certain talking points that are just timely, 
I think it's events. Uh, we also always come up with media loves awareness days. And so I always encourage our clients to kind of plan out the year in terms of different things that are happening, sort of tie into their book. And then that kind of can provide a media hook for pitching or also an opportunity for an event. I also feel social media can keep you out there when you can run different promotions for the book. And there's book clubs, obviously. So that's another way of doing it. And then the other thing, obviously, is your mailing list, right? And that's why your mailing list is so golden, because these are people that are really engaged with you, even more so than on social media. And you can just keep coming back to them. You can tease your new book. If you have a backlist, you can do some backlist promotion or something. So we just kind of try to bring the book, keep bringing the book to the surface again of people's minds, basically. So I know that you you take a multifaceted approach to PR, but has there been any situation where you were surprised by something you did with publicity that really stuck and helped a book or an author gain some publicity that you weren't expecting? I wouldn't know off the top of my mind how we were surprised. I think what happens a lot where we are surprised is where we pitch certain long shots, right? Good Morning America or, you know, something that's sort of a author's dream and you pitch and you don't hear anything and you pitch and you don't hear anything. And it's like the fifth or sixth follow-up, right? And you go, why am I even doing this? And then you get a response and it happens. And it's like incredible, right? (laughs) Because you feel like all the stars aligned. And I think those are the things that happen to us. I wouldn't say a lot, but that's, I mean, that's just kind of incredible. You know, and it gives you sort of this energy of optimism that we really try to carry into every campaign. Like things are possible. Things are possible. It's, it's good to be realistic, but there is just that sense of possibility. Talk a little bit about TV. Is it still relevant? Obviously the big hooks are the big brands like Good Morning America and that type of thing. But do you find those still give good lift to, to, a, to a book? I think so. I think so. I think TV, just because it's visual, I think there is the power in that because you actually see people. There's kind of a cool quality to that. It's harder. It's harder to get. I definitely feel like, particularly news media now. I mean, news media is like, it is so hard to pitch because it's like, it's so political. And there used to be a lot of news shows that would have authors on. And now it's like, it's just, it's, it's really hard to get people on. When a writer or an author needs a publicist, when should they be doing it themselves? And when is it worth investing in a publicist? And because it is an investment of money, right? So can you help us sort through that? We kind of face that question every day because we obviously get a lot of inquiries every week. And we definitely have a certain budget where we feel like we just don't know what we would be able to do just because it is a big time investment. And then we always think about what could we help this author with because they have a certain budget where it just doesn't make sense for us to come on. It starts with, with the belief in yourself, I think in many ways where you kind of go, okay, like I've written this book, like how much am I going to put my foot out there? Like how much am I going to risk? I think. And if there's already something in the back of your mind where you go, I wrote this fast. I kind of want to get it out there, but I I don't really think it's like that great or it will like change humankind, whatever it is. Right. Then I think maybe you go, okay, let's just put it out there. I'm going to put a little bit of money into it and kind of see how it works. Right. And I've I've seen authors like that before where they kind of go, I just kind of want to use this book to kind of get my foot out there. And I just kind of want to play around with it. 
But then I would say most people who come to us, they're just very serious. They've worked on this book for, I mean, that's the thing. You know, sometimes it takes so long, not only the writing process, but just getting it published. And so there's a part of me that goes, if you spend this much time and you really want to get it out, then I would get some help. And, and we're really flexible. Like, I mean, if, if people don't have the biggest budget where we say, okay, we'll take this part, you take that part because we are very collaborative. So we're definitely open to that. But because we live in this world, there's so much noise. It's, it's so hard unless you have some, some sort of knowledge. It helps to, to work with somebody who can guide you. Otherwise, you can also lose a lot of time just Googling online, doing something wrong, putting the, the cart before the horse, and at least talk to somebody to consult you. I think that would be helpful. Talk a little bit about, you said you have an events platform. What is that? And how do you use that with an author? Our events platform, it's called wildboundlive.com. And through that events platform, we, we launched it uh, right during COVID, when COVID hit, just because all the book tours we had planned were imploding. But our clients still wanted to do some type of event. And because we have the skills and from our film background, we were like, okay, let's, let's do this. And so we just did a lot of virtual events. And then that kind of grew into a lot of streaming events that we do now where we do it in person, but then we stream it out to global audience. And so we do that for some of our authors, but mostly what we do it for now is just kind of on a bigger level, publishers, organizations, like, for example, in the fall, we're, we're streaming the Kirkus Prize live in Austin, where there's the National Book Critics Circle Award. So we, we, will all, we also stream that live to everybody. So what's a good-sized email list that an author brings to the table before an engagement or at an engagement with you? And how much should that increase? Obviously, you want that to increase during the campaign. So what's a good-sized email list? Let's start there for an author. It's a little bit of a tough question just because we've had small email lists, but these people are super engaged and you get just a huge rate of, of opening and, and, and people are just really loyal fans. And then we've, we have some authors that come and they have these email lists and they don't even know where they got them from, right? And, and it's like 10,000 subscribers, but then you have like 30 people opening them. So it's kind of tough. So I would actually say starting with like 2,000 people, that's, that's pretty good because those are like 2,000 real people that support you. So that's a good start. And then we obviously try to, it, it depends on how long our campaign runs, but we try to at least double it if we can. It also depends on sort of how much energy you put into growing your mailing list. Do you have any encouraging parting words for people who are nearing this phase of the book writing project, which is the PR phase. Can you give them any encouraging words to end this podcast? For one, just congratulate yourself that you even got to this point because many people never do. I think that's already such an amazing accomplishment. No matter what, that's whenever our clients have tough times, I always try to remind them why they wrote this book and that it doesn't matter whatever the world doesn't seem to respond or whatever. Like, you wrote this for yourself and you put yourself into it. So it's, it's special because it's yours. And so to me, I think that's one thing to always remember. And then the second thing is you always start, have to start somewhere, right? And so your first book is probably going to be harder than your second book. So as you gain an experience, you'll, you'll keep getting better at how to do it. So I think I would, I would say that. I would just take heart <laughs> and say, hey, 
I can, I can keep learning. It's not the end of the world. That's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for being with us today, Julia. This was such a rich interview. And I know so many of our authors are going to benefit from this. They're going to be re-listening to it because there's so many nuggets that they'll want to go back and in mind. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad. All right, Dave, let's turn to our words of the episode. I think I went first last time, so you can go first today. All right. So my word is perfervid. P-E-R-F-E-R. V-I-D. And so it's, it's an adjective and it has this idea of intense and impassioned. So I might call myself a perverted fly fisherman, right? Or maybe you're a perverted, perverted vintage dealer or you're a perverted gardener. So it's a nice little adjective that just really means intense and impassioned. Yeah, that makes sense because verb, right, has to do with passion, I think, if you break it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And per, I think, means with. So that, that makes sense. I like it, perverted. Okay, how about you? So mine is a funny word. I subscribe to the dictionary.com word of the day, or it just comes up in my Instagram feed. And I take a screenshot because when I first came across it, I'm like, I know that word. And then I looked at the definition, like, no, I don't know that word. And I think people get it mixed up and it's voracious, but it's not voracious like V-O-R-A-C-I-O-S, which is wanting or devouring great quantities of food. It's voracious, V-E-R-A-C-I-O-U-S. And I looked them up and listened to that little sound thing that tells you how to pronounce it. And they are pronounced exactly the same. So the voracious I'm talking about, the V-E-R one, V-E-R-A-C-I-O-U-S one, it means speaking or representing the truth. And it was apropos because my family and I are big Better Call Saul fans. And last night it was the series finale. And it's he's a person that does not represent truth, even though he's a lawyer. But last night he did. And so here's here it is, is, is in a sentence. In the series finale of Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman's character arc was completed when he turned from his swindling ways to a moment of being voracious. So there's my word That's of the day. awesome. <laughs> you know, I never, I don't think I knew there were two voracious words. Yeah, and spelled differently, but I didn't know that there were two. But this one makes sense, right? Because V-E-R means truth, right? So. It's a little bit different if you look at the etymology again. So those are our words of the episode. Two good ones, perverted and voracious. <laughs> uh, those are great. Well, you know, you and I were just chatting this morning about, you know, our mission is at uh, Journey 66 and, and how one of our core values is language. And that's why we do these words of the episode, right? Language matters and the use of the right word in the right sentence in the right way at the right time. It really matters. And so that's why we do these. And I, I just love these new words. And, you know, even if I don't end up using them, although you never know, I may, but it, it just gives you this breath to understand that there's kind of a perfect word for almost every idea you're trying to communicate. It reminds me of our recent workshop that we did. And one of the questions was, how do I use a more sophisticated language and better vocabulary in my writing. And our initial response is, well, don't stuff your writing with vocabulary words because you want to sound smart and probably don't even use those 
bigger words like perverted or voracious until you actually can use them in a sentence with someone in conversation with someone else it's going to come across as really forced. So I think that's my caveat with these big words is really understand them and use them in conversation and let them flow naturally into your writing. Let them become a part of your language. That's a great way to say it. And I think also it's not so much that you use these words in your language, but what it does is it helps you sharpen the words you do use. It's kind of an indirect benefit to your writing. Well, I think that that is another great episode. We loved having Julia on. So many great insights. I benefited a ton from that interview. And I think if you're a writer, especially if you're a self-published writer, there's some great nuggets in there to, to begin preparing now for the release of your book. All right. Well, I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write. 